computer. There we go. This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. All right, guys. We don't need to talk about the obvious that we're all dealing with right now, but there's something pretty obvious that we're all dealing with right now, and it kind of stinks, right? One of the biggest things that's helping me is helping me feel normal is podcasting, it's watching Outlander, it's talking with my friends about Outlander, and it's also making sure that I'm getting dressed and I'm putting on a little bit of makeup. So this month, the month of March, my favorite mascara is on sale just for you, our podcast listeners. You can go to minutewithmary.com slash discount to get 15% off my 40 Epic Mascara. Anything that you get this week of recording uh, through Friday is actually shipping free. Okay, oh, yes. just this week because we know that it's crummy for all of you and we're depending upon packages being mailed. I am running for a massive promotion and of course with things being the way they are, um, helping out the minutewithmary.com website in any way, shape or form is super appreciated. So if you wanted to judge yourself up a little bit or if you want to take better care of your skin during this time, you can do all of that at minutewithmary.com and if you have any questions, anything at all, Shoot me a message. Just search the hashtag Minute with Mary. Send me a message. I'm obviously my phone, just like all of you. So check that out now. Minutewithmary.com slash discount. You you once said that you wanted a woman who truly lived. Again, what life is not what she wished it to be. Well, I can what this life is. Marta. And again, what sort of man you are. What sort of man is that? A sort of man who will lose everything for what he believes in. The sort of man I swore I would never give my heart to again. Please. Go. I must rest for tomorrow. from snowy Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. See live, Blake is doing amazing conducting. Very, very fun, very powerful. Because I'm awesome. <laughs> My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and by gosh, do I want some French gold right now? <laughs> I would love some French gold. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I want <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just go build a house down in North Carolina, you know, just on the water's edge. You know, just have some fun with it. Okay. You know, I'm not sure if I'd be willing to give up my firstborn for it, but, you know, I would still love some French gold. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. So this was this was quite the episode. A lot of things moving around. You know, we were not just in one place. We weren't just dealing with one problem. Right. We were all over the place. Lots of people, lots of things, lots of drama. 
Lots of drama. And boy, did it feel good for there to be drama on TV and not in my life. Yeah, oh, yes. I mean, we, we got enough drama going on as it is. We all know what's happening. It is what it is. So, but yes. So I, we're going to be, we're gonna be talking about each of those, like uh, pretty much all of those different little storylines that are happening to some of our most favorite characters in the show. But before we do that, we would love to remind you that Blake and I also have other podcasts that we're doing in the midst of Outlander season. Particularly, we're doing a podcast about This Is Us. It's called This Is Us 2. You can find all of our podcasts and our blogs at maryandblake.com. Check it on out. Blake worked very long and hard on that website to make it what it is. So we would love for you to check that out. And you can find all of our Outlander stuff by going to outlandercast.com, searching Outlandercast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're all over the place. And also make sure you check out Mary and Blake on all of the social media too, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, all of it. If you want to go back and listen or watch all of our live uh, in-studio events or listen to all of our podcasts just in the background and you don't want to have a podcast app, no problem. Just go right to YouTube. All of our episodes that we've ever created for anything we've ever done, it's all right there on YouTube. Just look up Mary and Blake Marvin. Yes. <sighs> I think it's time. Oh. It is time. It is time. It is time. In to, Rafiki's voice. Yes, it is time to talk about this episode. Are you ready? Are you ready I to get so into this? I am so ready. I right. am so ready. Let's do it. I just finished rewatching it now for the third time. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. Episode 506. We're halfway there. Yes. We're halfway. Halfway there. That may or may not inform my kill rating. Okay, well, I just need to put this out there. Okay, what do you got? So, clan, listeners, um, you know, we had hoped to do a finale party this year. We won't be able to because of obvious reasons. Um, But... I'm excited to see the light and bright and love in every single episode here going forward. I'm going to be doing glass half full. And yes, I will tell you my bads. And yes, I will tell you things that annoy me. But in times like this, Optimus (laughs) Mary. She's coming out. It's coming out. So all you naysayers, all you peeps, okay, just know I'm going to mention it. But I'm looking on the bright side because this is going to help distract me from everything that's going on. All right. <laughs> so we're here at the halfway mark. Halfway mark. We've got that much time left in the season. Yep. Let's talk about this. Get me the details about this show. Sure. So the episode title was "Better to Marry Than Burn," which I think it, again, Outlander is killing it with these episode titles. Uh, I, I love that the fact that it's referencing the the Mackenzie motto the McKenzie on on the, on the crest uh which is uh I don't I you know it's it's refer- it's referencing the fact that the crest references burning I shine not burn whatever it is um I really 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 like that and it's better to marry Duncan Innes than it is to burn with Murtha which is awesome it was that is great and especially as it it, it is uh informed by the flashback scene in this episode, quite like that. The writer was Stephanie Shannon. Now, Stephanie Shannon is, is brand new to Outlander this season. Okay, good, because I was sitting here saying, I don't know if I know that name. Yeah, you don't know that okay. name. And actually, she is one of the story editors on Outlander. And this is uh, her first Outlander written by credit. Uh, she's actually worked on uh, another show that we all should know if you're a Ron Moore fan, which is For All Mankind, which is his show on Apple Plus. So, um, 
actually what you'll notice is in Outlander season five, it seems to be that he Ron has either plucked people from the from man from all for all mankind writers room and staff. Or he plucked a bunch of people from Outlander and brought them on to For All Mankind. He's just like, I like you. You're my people. Right. Let's hang. So we've talked about story editors before in previous episodes, but just as a refresher, the story editor is uh, is also called a supervising producer uh, in like Hollywood or for television or whatever. Uh, Essentially, they are the ones on the screenwriting staff who edit stories for the screenplays themselves. So when, when uh, somebody puts out a screenplay and they, they say, okay, here's here's the script, they say, okay, where are all the mistakes? Where are all the things that go on here? This is like the step that you take before you become a staff writer or before you start writing your own episodes. And they have many responsibilities, which is uh, getting down the breakdown to all the writers, developing the stories, uh, making sure that the scripts are just like in tip top shape. If there's any uh, changes to the scripts, uh, they make the changes, send them out. They talk with the writers that about their work, making sure that the stories are correct, making sure that the Bible that they're adhering to the to the overall show Bible. Mm-hmm. That is what story for people to do. know what a show Bible is. Can you explain that? Yeah. So. <laughs> Show Bible is kind of a misnomer. So a show Bible is something that a showrunner will put together before the show is actually produced or before uh, the season is produced. And they'll Mm -hmm. say, okay, here is what we're going towards. This is the thing. This is the way. Okay. It's kind of like an outline, but it's like, for example, everybody wanted the show Bible for the show Lost. They thought, okay, well, they got a Bible. You got to know what you're going by. You got to know what the story that you're getting to is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, shows just kind of make it up as they go along. And you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I want massive input from the fans, but also have a Bible at the same time. You can't just have a plan. And fans always want to ha- want to know, okay, I have a say in how my favorite show is created. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And the show Bible is one of those things that they use as a a guideline, a a very specific guideline into what they want to accomplish. That is the show Bible. Okay. Uh, The director uh, was Mira Menon. She directed the last episode of Outlander. And as uh, again, as a reminder, she actually directed on for all mankind in her latest venture outside of Outlander. But again, she has got some serious talent. She's directed many a great television show, uh, including The Terror, The Magicians, uh, The Walking Dead, The Punisher, Titans, The Man in the High Castle. Um, I mean, geez, Halt and Catch Fire. I, whew, man, she's got it going. She knows what she's doing. A lot of and, Blake shows. Oh, a lot of Blake shows, especially The Terror and Halt and Catch Fire. If you, if you get a chance, go back and watch The Terror, the first season. I haven't seen the second season yet, but it's one of those anthology shows where the story changes mm. every season. The first season, starring Tobias Menzies, by the way, and Jared Harris, is among the best television I've ever seen. It, and it's on AMC. So go back, watch that. You'll be very pleased. Marvin, what is your kilt rating for today's episode? I'm giving this episode a 4.8. 
Um, I enjoyed a lot of it. There were some things that I did not love, but as I said in the beginning of this episode, I'm here to be an optimist. So four point eight. <sighs> okay. Do I? Do I? Do I teach? Do I tell the? Do I tell the truth, or should I lie and keep? And should I lie and keep the positivity? I mean, I'm all about the positive life. I know you are, but I, I I'm not. And I'm usually the one that is known for being a tad critical on this show. Uh, oh, a tad? A tad. A, a skosh, if you will. Mm, a skosh critical. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this episode um, 4.3. Uh, and it is not that, that kilt rating is not necessarily reflective of the episode by itself. Okay. It's more along the lines of it being reflective of the episode and where it is in relation to the season and it, it that is more reflective of that where we are how far we've come and what we've accomplished halfway through the season so i'm giving it a 4.3 it's not a, it's not a totally fair kilt rating but there are reasons for it we'll get into it okay what do you got for your gbg all right so my good roger Roger, Roger, Roger. First off, like his interactions with Bree and Jemmy and all of the people of the Ridge, like that's that was very Roger to me. And I love just seeing him take his time to think a solution through and then see it through with confidence. I mean, you guys talking to that many people and having to be in charge of them and having their well-being and having their livelihood at stake all on his shoulders when this is not something he signed up for is a lot. And I just really loved seeing um, his character shine through. I loved seeing his interactions with with Brie. I will say Roger needs to use less tissues when wiping Jemmy's face. He like dabbed once and then he threw it away mm-hmm. and then or put it in the basket to wash later and then he took another one and I was like oh Roger is such a first time dad. Like really <laughs> you're just kind of like folded over a few more times and you gotta keep using that tissue because you're gonna be running out of tissues pretty soon Roger. Uh, my bad. Um, uh, anything that had to do with a barn, anything oh, and everything okay. oh, gotcha. taking okay. place in a stable, not a barn, a stable, yeah. uh, all the stable, all the stable time, <laughs> every bit of stable time, every bit. <laughs> there we go. And then my great was everything with Jocasta. Um, I, whether it was her flashback or her current scenes, seeing uh, her, you know, talk to Duncan Innes to seeing her just manage a different people. Um, I, gosh, she shone so brightly in this episode. This episode mm-hmm. was so like, let Jocasta and Roger shine. These are two incredible actors. These are two incredible characters that are very complex. Yep. Um, and I really had fun watching those two shine. Sure. How about you? All right. My good. Um, let's see. Where am I here? In my, in my notes. All right. Uh, my good. Uh, actually, Roger. Hey, hey, imagine that. Imagine that. Roger was my good. And, Welcome. Uh, Roger was my be- good because he finally earned something. He finally earned something and proved that he had, at least within this episode, a little bit of teeny tiny worth to what the show is trying to accomplish, to Bree, and to their relationship. That doesn't mean there aren't complications with Roger and Bree. That doesn't mean that some things aren't off, which, again, I'll, I'll get into. But I actually quite like that Roger did something. Yes. He finally did something, and he gets recognized I mean, he's for done it. a lot, Blake. 
Don't say he finally did something. This guy has done a lot um, in regards to this season. Not so much, but even still, what he did in Brownsville, like. He's done a lot. He traveled through time to come and find Bree. And then he got kidnapped. <laughs> or not even kid, he got beaten up and then sold. And then he made his way back all by himself. Roger's done a lot. Well, let me say he did something to earn. He finally did something to earn um, the time that was spent on him. How do you think Jamie will react to hearing how, how Roger... Because I feel like you're looking at him through Jamie's point of view. Uh, I absolutely am. Okay. Uh, I so think how- it's because I have a daughter. And if I'm looking at this Roger... It's all making sense now. I'm definitely... Yeah, I'm definitely looking at it from Jamie's perspective. Okay. And I'm definitely looking at it because I got a daughter. And I'm like, if that guy abandoned my daughter, not once, but twice, I would have a problem with that guy. In fact, I would have beat the piss out of him just like Jamie did. <laughs> I, I would have. Uh, so that that is the truth. But... I'm. I. I was happy. With I think Roger. this might be the first time that Roger has made either of your G's a good or a great. Um, it might be possible. Oh, let's just savor this moment, like <laughs> when you have to savor your last Hershey kiss. Um. Mm. So, I, I liked Roger in this episode, and I liked what he did with Bree. I liked their relationship in this. Uh, in this. Um, in this episode. So I think I'm there with that. Okay, but the bad. First, first, let's just, I'm with you, Mary, the sex scene and all the barn scenes. I am out on the barn. I'm out on the barn in every way. Um, and the funny thing is, is I think the barn is indicative of the entire episode. And really, I think the whole season so far. And I don't mean that the whole season is bad. And I don't mean the episode is bad. What I mean is tonally... The barn scene was really scattered. It was Jamie and Claire fighting. You're still a you're, you're only a woman. They're slap. He's, it was like, are we season one? Are we like kind of angry? Gonna have sex season right. one? Exactly. But 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 then again, mm-hmm. he's still he's saying that she's still a woman. She is slapping him, and then he forcibly kisses her. It's just not romantic. It's not. Anything that I, I would I, like, I know there was that scene that she holds the dagger to his to his throat when they're when they're banging back in season one or two, whatever it was. I forget what season it was, but that was different. That was very like S and M, like theme yes. play. Freaking like, all right, we're gonna do this, and like I'm gonna get out my black leather whip. Here we go. You yep. know, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you know what? Some people are into that, and that's cool, man. This. No. No. This no. this did not do it for me. No, it did not. And the reason why it didn't do it, and I, I think I'll tell you, I think I know why it didn't do it for you. It's because it was in the book and they needed to get to it and they didn't have enough time to get to it. So it, because it happened in the book and people were looking forward to it, they put it in and they didn't earn it. They didn't earn that. They didn't earn that turn of events. And... The thing that is frustrating about that is because the book says we're supposed to have sex here, that's where we're going to have sex. And this is the feeling that I get for most of the season so far. Things happen not because the story of the show or the characters demand these things to happen, but rather because the book demands that they happen. And the show is like, okay, we have these moments. We have these moments in the book that we know we need to get to. 
Let's do these moments and then we'll figure out all the filler in between to get to the moments. As opposed to letting the story and the characters dictate where those moments come and when they come. And it just feels like we're getting, mo- we're getting moments instead of actual scenes. Instead of actual real life. No, instead of actual storytelling. And that's the frustration I get with it. We're, we had sex in the book at this point. In the stable, we got to have sex in the show. That's where and we are. And in the book, it was done well. Like, it didn't feel this way in the book. In the show, it felt very weird. Like, frequently when I watch the show and they have their intimate moments, I'm I'm feeling it. I'm excited. I don't know what it was, if it was the pacing, if it was the writing. Like, I, I just don't know what it was. But it did sure. not... Well, like, what, like I, um, are we are we like digging into this now, and then we're gonna be yeah, done? No, 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 we'll we'll dig, we'll dig, we'll dig, in, we'll dig later. Oh, we'll, no. di- we'll dig later. We'll dig right after I give my grade. Okay, okay, okay and we'll, then we'll be done at the barn okay. or the stable. Yep, uh, and then my grade uh, was everything Mercasta. Every single fracking Mercasta thing there is in this episode, uh, and, and and even Joe Casta herself. Uh, I loved. Every ounce, every second that this show had to offer with Mercasta and Joe Casta alone, whether it was the flashback, which gave us some well-needed texture and urgency to the episode for for Joe Casta, uh, or the incredibly written and acted scene between uh, Murtaugh and Joe Casta, like really, truly excellent stuff. And this is the beauty of when you let things breathe, when you let instead of going from constantly going. This is what happens. You get two really good actors with a, two, with a well-written scene and a director who knows how to handle this kind of stuff. You get a scene like this. And it, it, it was the one thing in this episode where I said, okay, I'm in. I, I am absolutely in on this. What's happening? What it means with the ramifications for the characters, the ramifications for the story itself, mm-hmm. what this means, which we'll get into, what this means for Murtaugh and Jocasta uh, 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 as they're unrelated. Um, yeah, I'm all in on the Mercasta right. life. All right, so um, I have a supplementary bad, which, which leads us to the barn, okay? And uh, this is a natural thing. Okay. The supplementary bad is Diana Gabaldon. Hold up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She didn't write it this way. I, I don't care. I really don't care. Elaborate. Okay. The fact that she came out on Facebook or wherever she was, I think it was Facebook, came out and said, these are the exact words. The scene, Someone said, oh, wow, the, the barn scene wasn't great. One of, one of her fans on the page. Barn scene wasn't great. What happened? Diana comes out. Her words and says, yeah, it was bad dialogue, bad direction, bad lighting, awkward set. Actors did their level best with what they were given to work with. (sighs) I mean, isn't that just what we all said? Yes, it absolutely is what we just said. (laughs) It was our mutual bad? Yes, but there's a big difference. What? I am not actively involved in the production of the show i'm a podcaster my job is to talk and give hot takes that's my job her job is to support the show she is actually a writer of an episode this season and she is coming out 
and say in throwing her own show under the bus. I get publicly. I get that this is Diana's like book and their story and her characters, all that other crap. You cannot come out publicly, whether or not it's true or whatever. You cannot. It's like George R. R. Martin saying, "Yeah, Dan and Dave, the double D's, they really effed up the ending of uh, Game of Thrones." Yeah, they, they screwed it up. I hated it. I hated every ounce of it. It was bad writing, bad directing. Uh, you know, the sets were awkward. No. No. You cannot go public with that. You're an active member of the production. It's like it's like the whole thing. You know, I mean, mind you, our kids are four and six, and it's kind of like the thing where like we shouldn't be disagreeing about something about them yep. in front of them. It's like, we'll get back to you on that, and then we talk. So you think Diana should have expressed this to who? What do you mean? If Diana didn't like it, who should Diana have told? Uh, anybody in production? Uh, and it doesn't matter what the scene was in the book. I don't care if it, if it is something that she absolutely loved. You cannot come out. You can. Ha- I'm not saying she can't feel them. I'm not saying she can't think it sucks because it did suck. But as an active member of the production, you cannot come out publicly and say that. You just can't do it. Why not? Because you're throwing your own show under the bus. You know what? She doesn't care that that she's doesn't make it right. It what? doesn't make it right. It's not going to change her paycheck. It, it's not going to change. And to be honest, she probably doesn't even care about the yeah, paycheck it, from the show. But she does not care. Then why? Then why did she fix? Spend all night trying to fix it after that? Probably because her PR person was like, you shouldn't have done you. that. Thank you. You should not have done She shouldn't have done it. I don't care what anybody says on Facebook Live or Instagram. Shouldn't have happened. Well, you should care what other people have to no, say. No, no. I'm take bunkered on this hey, one. Hey, she feels probably the same way. Uh, she doesn't that's care great. <laughs> that is great. But she's an active member of the production, whereas I am not. So let's just let's get into the barn scene and, and just okay. get it over with. Because I don't want to be negative. Oh, really? I really what has be. this past 10 minutes been? I feel like we need a refresh. <laughs> Fine. What, what would you like to Let's do? Let's talk then? about Roger. Okay. Can, can we, are we going to talk about the barn scene? Oh, I'm getting hot. <laughs> she, she's wearing a beautiful scarf, by the way. I know. From Anne Gavin, a member of the Outlander cast staff and a dear friend of ours. Um, okay. Hold up. Okay. Let's talk about Roger. I need to clear the air. Need to clear the air, okay? So okay. first and foremost, just watching the little Mackenzie family inside their house, taking care of the baby, wee Jemmy, as he's going through his cold or maybe teething, and he's doing a little wipe, spittle, and in comes Adso. Adso's <laughs> crowning moment for this episode. He's here, and he's brought in a little locust. Where did they find all these locusts? Like, is, are there like locusts? Like farms? locust farms, yeah. Like, do you know that there? You know how there's like people who like train dogs or train little kittens, like Adso made for you know to be able to put them on television. Are there people who like grow locusts? Uh, so just in I don't case think you, you can need grow it for, for raise raise locusts. <laughs> These aren't apples, my love. <laughs> and there they all come, and of course, you know, Roger has his little little wittiness about it that it's a you know I hope it's not a plague from God. Mm-hmm. And everybody is obviously upset and looking to Roger 
for him to solve it. And he's just like, I don't know. And it's very funny to watch shows that were filmed and created before major life events happen. Like Mm -hmm. with all of this stuff going on with the pandemic, (laughs) I felt like Roger must be some, feel like how some politicians are. Like everybody's like, what are we going to (laughs) do? We're going to die. You're our leader. You know, whether it's like your state or whatever. And like, they're just like, I don't know yet either. (laughs) This just happened, man. (laughs) Um, so and yet Roger how sweet like and isn't it so true how you do have these memories that just come to you yes absolutely when you need them and over time so for him to be out there and to say I think I have an idea And um, the Brie throws in, oh, you know, professor, you know, as he's like making this stuff. And I just thought, oh, there you go. There's your Mackenzie University. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like the, the locusts for the most part are computer generated, obviously. Like the no, big, but the ones like on the, the windows, like, right, the right, close up right, right. ones. Like, right. where do you get those? Like, yeah, not, they didn't, I know that they, they didn't, didn't bring in like a Oh whole. my God. I don't want you guys to think that I was like, well, where'd they all get all those like thousands of trained locusts? No. They didn't, they didn't blacken the skies of scotland for <laughs> no. these locusts no i mean like the few close-up shot ones right right um right. yeah and of course then you know he has has this knowledge of how to make these poop pots um <laughs> and i loved the banter just between him and brie as mm-hmm. he's explaining to her like oh this is what you do and it's going to hold on to the smoke part quite well but this is the other factor that i'm not able to figure out and brie figures it out mm-hmm figures out how to fan it and, and, you know, take care of the direction. And I just loved their teamwork. Sure. You know, I think it's, so there are a couple of things that I want to ask your opinion about, which is it takes what Roger calls a biblical plague to actually get something right in the outlander universe. Um, But then also too, and this is really important, I think, um, but I'd love to know your opinion, which is, do you find the conversations between Bree and Roger tonally scattered? Like, do you find them like last episode? He's off running about. He's pissed off because she's he's upset that she didn't say that he was the father. And all of a sudden, you know, everything's OK. And now they're fighting locusts out of nowhere. And Listen, this, this did is you a- find it to be I guess what I'm getting at is like the, the halt and catch fire syndrome of when you know, uh, hash, spoiler alert, when um, when they get beat up in the Porsche and then at the end of season one, and it just like happens because they needed something to happen to to uh, to Gordon and Donna. And that's it. Like I, these are the locusts and I that's just the think Porsche that, syndrome. that they're a couple that can forgive, that can move on. And they're also probably exhausted from raising a baby and maybe emotions could go hot and cold. Sure. I did not feel whiplashed at all between last episode and this episode. I did not. And I think that's fair. I, I think I think it's a fair criticism, but I also think it's a fair characteristic of Roger and Bree because throughout the run of Outlander, whether or not you agree that they've been given good characterization or they've been given enough moments to become you know textured characters you have seen evidence of these characters go hot and cold very quickly you have seen evidence of them being able to get into a massive fight come back love each other talk about it and then the next day move forward so even though i think it was tonally scattered i still think it's a fair thing to represent I still think it's a fair thing for both of them to 
be one way at the end of the last episode and then be a completely different way at the beginning of this episode. I think that they, they're able to move on. They don't hold grudges. And I think that this is an excellent uh, demonstration of how you can work together as a team. The problem is the problem. Yep. Right? Yep. Brie now knows she needs to be more honest with Roger. Roger now knows that he needs to be a lot more um, kind with Brie as a victim of rape. And they're ready to tackle things. And listen, man, you just, you got to work together. Like, they probably, they made up. They sure. made up and they're moving on. And I think that that is a great thing for people to see. Here's another question that I have for you. The chemistry between Rick Rankin and Sophie Skelton. Getting any better? Still the same. I think it was much worse. better in this episode. I, I loved it. They were just doing these little little jokes with each other and lots of little touches. The, I liked the buckets it. Buckets of shite. Like you, yeah. you stick to your buckets of shite, and I, I'm yes. gonna go fix this. I enjoyed their banter very, very much. So I did too. Of course, they come up with the solution, and all the people are there. Marshley's there. Poor mute Fergus. He's just eye candy. He's just like thrown in. Okay, there he is. I, Same thing with Lord John, by the way. Oh thrown gosh, in seriously. for the sake of being thrown in. Well, here's the thing. Worst wedding guest ever. No, stop. <laughs> Best wedding guest ever. Um, Marcelie. I did feel very uncomfortable seeing pregnant Marcelie next to all this poop smoke. She's just yeah, standing girl. right out there. And I was like... Brie knows better. Brie, Brie comes to the future. She should know that like uh, pregnant. Did, nope, nope, nope. In the 60s, people were ripping butts in the hospitals. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Not until the 80s did like hospitals actually crack down on. Still. Even in, even in the 80s. Still. It was a thing. I was nervous. I was like, Marcely, honey, you need to get out of that smoke. It's not good for you. And she kept like touching her belly to acknowledge, you know, yes, I'm still pregnant. Yes. But I was like, you need to go away. Like, who's watching the babies? Who's watching these kids? Let the pregnant woman go watch the kids. You guys can burn all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So aside from that, and, and it's not anything bad. I like seeing our characters do these things. But it just, to me... As a woman, I was like, Marceline, honey, yeah. <laughs> go um, take your prenatal vitamins and go take a nap. <laughs> but, but on the flip side, it was all hands on deck. I mean, this is literally what could be life or death for the people of the rich. You know, they all had to pitch in and make this work. And this is one of the, in my opinion, I think this is the crowning moment so far for Roger is that, you know, he works well with Bray. We got to see their great relationship, but he also was able to command these people and he was able to do it with his brains. Sure, sure. And I, I one of the things I actually quite liked was when uh, Bree had the shovel and she sees the locusts and she takes a shovel and boom, puts it, puts it, like just kills it. And representative in that is, I think to me, Bree putting a shovel through all of the Roger heat when it mm-hmm. comes to the character and all the crap that happened before, like Roger now finally has earned some respect from the residents of the Ridge. The old life is gone. Boom. Shovel right through it. We're moving forward. And it took Roger and Bree together to actually do that. There you go. It took, it took them both. Now, listen, I'm not a big fan of the, of all of a sudden these big biblical things come locusts coming. It's just random. Do you know what's happening to us right now, Blake? I know, but but again, reality is not an excuse for storytelling. I'm this locusts did this. Do oh, they still I'm, do this? I'm sure, I, I'm, we're not farmers. We live in Rhode Island. <laughs> do locusts like still come and eat all the crops, or do like the pesticides kill them all? I don't even know. I don't even know. Blake won't even let me raise chickens. No, no, we're not raising chicken. Chickens in that house ain't gonna happen. 
Breaks my heart. Not gonna happen. Breaks my heart. Not reason. We could barely take out care of our kids, never mind chickens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Roger and Bree, huge fan. So glad that he could save the day. Um Let me let me ask you another question as we move forward. I think this might be a good transition. Are there there are a lot of storylines in this episode? A lot of things happening. Lots of um moving parts. And sometimes I feel like because there were so many moving parts, the ones that we really wanted to have the real time didn't get it. Like, I would love to have more time between Roger and Bree. I would love to have more time with Mercasta. I would love to have more time to actually build up to this thing that happens between Jamie and Claire in the bond. Read the books then, my love. Don't say that. Anytime. <laughs> okay, now this is not a slight against anybody. We've all got time now. This is not a slight against anybody. Hey, but no, let me, let me it's t- obviously going to be a slate no, against no, no, no. me. No, no, it's not. I'm the one that just said it. But anytime, anytime I see a comment in the Outlander Cast Clan gathering or on, or on Instagram or whatever, and when the first words are, well, in the book, I immediately skip past it. I immediately move past. Because don't tell me to read the book. Don't tell me that, well, in the book. No, no, no. What is the show doing? Is the show doing the right thing? That's the real crux here we're talking about the show not well well in the book no 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 i don't i don't i don't want to know well in the book i want to know what is happening in the show and is it correct is it good is the language correct for what they're trying to tell you in the show um because of all that because of that do you think there are just too many things happening all at once there was a lot happening in this episode. There was a lot. And because of that, there was an obvious loser. And the obvious loser in this episode was Jamie and Claire. Yep. yep. But on the flip side, there have been times where like, I haven't been super pulled for the Roger and Bree storyline or the Mercasta storyline. So I'm happy. I'm happy that these two shone so well. I already love Jamie and Claire. My heart's big enough. I can love more people. And that's what this episode allowed me to do. Sure. Um, so let's move on to Jocasta. Yes. Dang girl can throw a wedding weekend. I mean, she's got those little boats to bring you from the main house across the little stream. Yep. At first I thought like it reminded me of the boat from Stuart Little. That Stuart races in, in Central Park to get across <laughs> across the, the pond. Um, but I just loved that that's how they transported people over. And of course, they have this giant structure, like flipping gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Sped no expense. We sped no expense. <laughs> <laughs> to throw this shindig. Um, and it really, it was beautiful. I love that we've now had two weddings this season. Sign me up for all the weddings yep. and sign my plus one up as Lord John Gray because he loves weddings. People have been wondering, where's Lord John? He's booked every weekend, okay? He wants the free food, the free booze, practicing his dancing. He may not be interested in those ladies, but he knows how to shake it, okay? And <laughs> this is where he can go get his dance crews on. <laughs> He's that guy. Remember like in our in our mid to late 20s, every single weekend in the summer, you you had a wedding with all your old buddies. Yeah, this is what Lord John does. See, that, um, no joke. Like everyone's like, "Where is he? Where is he?" I'm like, "He's obviously at someone's wedding, somebody's posh <laughs> wedding." <laughs> and he he came up with his own outfits. Oh, definitely had the new bows, new bows, new outfits for every single event. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the presents all lined up, and he's probably taking notes. This person's wedding had this appetizer. This oh, you know, they had fake <laughs> flowers. 
judging the band the worst. Worst. The worst. You don't do a DJ and you don't have a bad band. <laughs> what are you doing? And I don't want the little chickens. The to- efficient obviously didn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> he was just reading. Who just reads? Oh my God. So anyway, I, I was happy to see him. Was his part small? Sure. Does he kind of does he kind of become a Debbie Downer whenever he shows up at weddings right now? Yeah, can he? Well, it's but you know what? He's just trying, man. He's just trying. <laughs> Speaking of trying, oh, oh! didn't. How do you like the the chemistry between he and his wife? Uh, there was no chemistry between he and his wife. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it was. Um, I like the wife a lot more than I like him. <laughs> because at least she's kind of real. Like at least when Jamie says, yeah, you know what? She opens her mouth a lot. And if I tell her one thing, it's going to get everywhere. That's an actual character trait. Whereas Governor Tryon doesn't have a single one other than his weird, <laughs> his weird accent, how he pronounces things. Now I know that's the guy's real accent, whatever. It's fine. I just hate his voice, hate his voice. I hate everything about him. Although I did like, I did like the the fitting scene at the end when they're like when they're making his new uniform and everything, mm. and and I know that Tryon does have like these aspirations of grandeur, going to New York and whatever, and he's trying to make up for the, um, he's trying to he's trying to make up for he's trying to look good to the people in New York, so it looks like he's getting his job and he's doing the right thing. So I guess that is a, a fair. You got to dress for the trait. job that you want. Yes, exactly. If you show up with sweatpants, and, oh, and, and, he's uh, he's read and, all those self development books. You know, he's taken <laughs> notes. He knows his enneagram. He he listens to like Tony Robbins and stuff. And he's like, I am my own master. I will create my universe, and I will dress for the job that I want. <laughs> Colonel Fraser, <laughs> dress for the job you want. <laughs> uh, but it, there's his little wife like dropping secrets left and right putting him in his place oh absolutely we're gonna go to New York soon it's fab actually here it's not right now <laughs> <laughs> I but... love knowing that she cried when she, when she ended up in North Carolina oh my god <laughs> oh man that oh, was funny how many of us have had that move where you like move somewhere wasn't that us when we moved to our apartment in Providence oh no we cried when we had to move back to Massachusetts for a little bit. Yeah. And then when we left, we cried because we moved back to Providence and we were so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of crying happens when you move. Yes. So there she is trying to befriend Claire. Worst, worst, worst. Oh, worst wingman ever. She's just like, sorry, girl. Couldn't do it. Are you kidding? Get out of here. You're the worst. You're Claire the worst, said this bur. guy makes me feel uncomfortable. Yep. And she's like, don't worry, I'll deflect. You didn't. And you're a politician's wife. You should be able to do this stuff. You should be able to just get right in there. Like like how Wiley did with Claire when he when she's trying to move away and he just like stands in front of her and then oh, moves to the side again. When Claire's checking out the Chantilly Lace, which at first I thought they might want to talk about Chantilly Lace cake. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Because <laughs> that's amazing. Have you had it? I've never had it. I had it. it for the first time last May. Why did you have it and not and not? It's when I went down to Florida. It was oh, my birthday cake because okay. I I celebrated my birthday down in Florida with some women last last year. Yep. And then flew back up. Um, yeah, they <laughs> they gave me Chantilly lace cake and it was delicious. Oh well, I think we should get some. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> 
I think it's like a thing down south. Whatever, we'll figure it out. Okay, so anyway, Amazon. Terrible, <laughs> terrible powdery face. Powder face, Wiley. Can we talk about? What do you that think guy? he smells like? Um, I think he smells like farts. That's what I think he smells like. Oh, I totally disagree. No, the reason why I think he smells like farts, I'll tell you why, is because he's the kind of guy that because he think- was pushed into manure. Uh, well, yeah, obviously, but no, he thinks he's all done up. And, he, and he's got all the powder and everything, and he, and he thinks he's awesome. But deep down, deep in his core, he ain't nothing. He's nobody. And he, he's just another, he, he's a jag. I feel like he is one of those people that puts on way too much perfume, and the perfume that smells like like grandma powder roses. Yes. Like, but way too much. Like, you walk by, and your eyes sting, and you kind of cough, and then you're like, I promise Whoa. I don't, I promise I'm not sick. <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting up in her face, and I, drops the name of Stephen Bonnet. Well, to be honest, well, before we get in, I don't even remember this guy from the, se- from the previous season. Don't even remember him at all. Like, I, I, I saw him, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess he's important. Like, I guess we've known him from... I just I don't remember him, um, but yeah, he talks about Stephen Bonnet, and then we we get the whole thing with Claire and the plan, and the plan it seemed to be from from my perspective was that she wanted to get the in with him via the whiskey business to get an introduction to Stephen Bonnet. Is that something that I'm correct in, or is that something I'm just making up in my head? So that one more time for me to make it a little bit more clear. <laughs> How to tell when the hosts aren't listening. Um, is, is it, was, was the plan to get an introduction to Stephen Bonnet via the whiskey business through Wiley? Is that, was that the plan from Claire or am I making that up? Yeah, no, Claire does not like, are you thinking that she wants to, I'm not understanding. She wants to get to Bonnet. Yes. Yeah, that's the whole reasoning behind okay, this. Okay, because the writing here was a little... Diff- it was it was a little unclear, like because eventually Jamie she has- clears it up when she talks to Jamie. So yes, if you were right. unclear, right? Um, and you did you met him when they were having dinner, um, um, with with um, Tryon when they first had dinner with him. Okay, and what in this four this in season season four. four. Okay, um, so but like it's I thought it was very clear. I mean, granted. Whatever, but I thought it was very clear. You just saw like the gears in her head working. Yes. Uh, but then she does. She clarifies it very quickly with Jamie. Like the whole point of this was that he is associated with Stephen Bonnet. We have we can find him now. Yep. We we've got the go- this going on, of course. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show you how the gears in Jamie and Claire's head are always working. That she can think on her feet that Absolutely. quickly. Where yep. you know from from one minute ago she was just trying to dodge this guy and enjoy her time at a wedding with her husband. And in the second moment, she's in Mama Claire mode. Mama Bear, Mama Claire, like, I'm going to figure this out. Not only am I going to figure it out, but I'm going to act like I don't even want to see Bonnet. Sure. I'm going to say, oh, but we just want to deal with you. Right, right. And and that is like the kind of like reverse psychology thing. I, I, I quite like that. It seemed like the plan just kind of happened. And I guess that's when you're thinking on your feet, that's... You know, that's what happens. You think on your feet and you're like, okay, can we, can we get this? But then Jamie wanted to bet the horse and, but it was a, it was a double play where we don't really want the horse. We want the invite. So we're going to trade the horse for the invite and the whole thing. But like Claire's looking at the horse, like, oh, I hope you're worth it. Um, there was just a lot happening. And when you start adding in what happened at the barn after all of this stuff, I was kind of like, okay, what was, what was the plan? <laughs> 
Like, what are we doing? You were a little lost. Like, huh? I, I watch a lot of complicated shows. Like, I, But I will say, our daughter kept waking up a lot. That's true. That. That, that is true. So, and I, and I will say that Blake only got to watch this episode once. Yes. I'm, I'm putting it out. Sorry. <laughs> like, normally, I watch it twice, yeah. which is fine. Um, but because of everything that's going on, having our kids home, and um, it was a disruptive night. I will say that. So, And I even said that. I said, watch like bits of this be a little not as poignant to you because you didn't get to watch it continuous. Sure, sure. So I think when you watch it a second time, you'll sit there and you'll say, oh, this did all make sense. I mean, ultimately, it does make sense. Like, ultimately... I think it will just... I think it will... I think it would have made more sense to you if our daughter didn't keep waking That's... <laughs> yeah, she had a little bit of a tummy ache. She's been having a lot of tummy aches lately, which is driving me crazy. But So did you when you were that age. That's also very true. Also very true. Um, but, you know, Wiley is... I loved when he... <laughs> got thrown into the horse crap that was excellent and jamie coming at him and the little friggin sniveling little piece of crap oh, trying mole. to lie through it with the mole on did, the back did of anyone neck. else want to just touch the back of your neck like, like whenever Ooh. i see things like that oh my god yep. so gross so gross and then jamie is ready to cut this guy open he's yeah. just ready he's done yeah absolutely and claire says no not at your mo- at, your, at your aunt's wedding so let's talk about the big moment between the two of them which is the thing with the rings um, I kind of side with Claire on this one. Don't touch that ring. That, that's not yours. That's mine. Don't, you can't just offer I do like up. that she was like, if you're going to take that one, you might as well take this it's one a, too. I mean, in, in the- I would have the, so done that. Of course you would have done that. And it's, it's a little dramatic for my taste. Um, it is a little dramatic. And the preview for the episode was a little misleading about that. Um, because it, it seems, it seems really overdramatic, but I get it. I get it because that's not his ring. That's hers. That's yes, her life. That's yes. her life. Don't touch that ring. That, don't, don't even bother talking about it. Don't even bother looking at it. That's mine. Do you agree with Claire on this one? Or yes, I am. Think- I am so on board with Claire. Jamie, listen, I know that Jamie is, uh, you know, is great at playing games and he has a lot of pride in himself that he was going to win. But there's still always a little chance. Okay? You can't sure. always win. You can't always win. Um, and it's like, why not give something else? Why not give something else that would mean more to him? Well, the problem the uh, the problem that the, the he show... He wanted just the ring. Yeah, the problem the show posits is that he wanted the ring. And the only way they can get to Bonnet and having that knowledge... Is to go through Wiley as much of a as a sniveling little dink as he is. They need him, and they got to get the introduction because if they don't get the introduction, by the way, part of the plan is that they're not talking about James Fraser. They're talking about Alexander Malcolm, be, 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 being the, the the distiller that is going to. So, how do you meet. think they worked that out with Wiley? Who knows who these people really are? <sighs> That's a good question. You know, like he knows them as Jamie and Claire. That's a good question. Um, Do we trust this fella? Absolutely not. Not in any way. Just like I don't trust your boy Pippin. Him showing up at the end with uh, with your boy Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not I'm not in on it. Why are they my boys? I don't want them to be my boys. No, uh, Jimmy being uh, Stephen Bonnet, Jimmy from Downton Abbey. Um, yeah, yeah you I gotta I, stop calling people different names. I know that's true. That's valid point. Uh, yeah, I don't trust him. I don't, and and the fact that 
I can't see this going well. I, I, I don't see it, regardless of whether or not he lost a bet or whatever. Who cares? Maybe they make the introduction and that's that, but who knows? I just don't see it going well. So now Bonnet knows about River Run. Yes, and this was going to make it in my grade. This was absolutely going to make it in my grade because what a cool way, not to end necessarily the episode, but part of the ending is this is the momentum that I was looking for last episode. Okay. This is the momentum that we need. And like, I feel like all of the crap that we had to go through in the wedding with Wiley and all that other stuff is just to service this moment, which makes it bearable to me, which makes it like, okay, that was worth it because this moment is the moment where Bonnet realizes my kid, whether he thinks it's his kid, my kid has the right to river run. How many people do you think Bonnet told that he raped and impregnated Jamie and Claire Fraser's daughter? Good question. I don't know the character enough to make a, an informed decision. Like Forbes, mind you, was trying yeah. to marry Bree. Forbes has a last reason. Season. Forbes has a reason to be upset with Bree and the Frasers. But how did he find out? It's not like Bree or Jocasta or anybody would have said anything. Mm-hmm. So Bonnet's over there throwing it around to Lord knows who, but also somehow Forbes made like knows that it's Bree. Sure. And he's just standing there. He's standing there watching this all happen, watching Jemmy inherit River Run. Absolutely. <sighs> Absolutely. Standing right behind Jamie Fraser, who he knows. His daughter was raped by his friend yeah. Bonnet. Yeah, and that shows you the kind of character that he is, number one. And number two, he's going to, he's hopefully, at least, well, not hopefully, but w- hopefully within his context as a character, he's going to get a cut of something for actually giving the information over, which, as I'm thinking about it, makes me want to have a great outlandish theory. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to do it right now. Stephen Bonnet is going to go to River Run in some form or fashion and try to make things happen so that Jemmy inherits River Run right away. Because at that point, him being the father, he could potentially claim that River Run is his. He is the one that will be the executor of the uh, the executor of River Run. He's the one that that will be in charge. If he makes the claim that Jemmy is his son and Brie can't say no yet. She can't say no. So that's what I think is probably going to happen at some point. Maybe he's going to go there, try to make a legal case, which I doubt though he may have the means to do so because he's with all the higher ups. He's, he knows all these people. He's got all these connections. He must have gotten that order for hanging off of his, off of his belt. Mm-hmm. So Cause he's just strolling around. Right. And it would make sense that he did because he knows all these people. He's doing yep. all the smuggling for him. They have a reason to get him River Run. Mm-hmm. So this does create some conflict for uh, oh, Jocasta and everybody else. Especially with Forbes just walking around. Because you, you, you don't know what's going on here. I mean, that's that's my thought on that as of this moment. Um, so... That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Um, did we already talk about Jocasta and and, no, and Murta? We didn't. Oh, we're, we're getting we're getting close to the end here. We're at 54 minutes. So those first off the flashback of seeing 
how Hector acted when he shot his own daughter by accident and then mm-hmm. just was like, carry on. Oh, that was... Here we go. That was one of the things that stood out Worst to me. Worst dad ever. The blood on the guy's face. Oh, it's oh, like chunky blood. That was awesome. That was... That was one of those things that stood out where I was like, oh, Awesome okay. is not the proper word for well, it. No, but you know what I mean? Like for the show itself, like the, the, the show hasn't really done that kind of thing really since Culloden or Preston Pants. Mm. And it shows you the kind of violence that was happening at that moment. It was a cool effect. Yeah. It, that's why I mean awesome. And it was so quick. It was like, right. oh my God, what's happening? Oh, it's the driver. Here we go. Hurry up and get in the car, Jocasta. She's screaming for her daughter. Yep. You know... It, it puts so much into perspective for Jocasta and why she makes the choice that she needs to make. What a touching scene. I think that this this was by far my favorite Murta Jocasta scene so far. Like, just him proclaiming his love, saying, I wish I had told yeah, yep. you sooner. Yep. You know, asking her not to get married. You know, please wait for me. And her explaining why she can't, why she can't choose him, why she is disappointed that he is the type of man that he is and that she promised herself she would never marry a guy like that again. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, I think the, um, the scene, you're right, between... Murta and Jocasta was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a- as we said in the beginning of the episode, um, w- this is what happens when you allow things to breathe. This is what happens when you allow actors to do the thing that they're supposed to do and th- the way that you write them. Um, that's what they're doing. That's what they're supposed to do. And you get beautiful moments like this um, between the two characters that have this now texture about them. The fact that we have the flashback with, with Jocasta and how it informs her choice with Myrta is a big effing deal. I was married to a guy that once acted like you and I lost every single thing because of it. Mm-hmm. And I promised myself I would never do that again. Even though I love you, even though it is going to physically break me, yep. as you saw at the end of that scene, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's really good writing. It's really good writing. It, I was impressed by how this episode episode opened mm-hmm. and then delivered on that. Opening. How did Morna get shot? Yeah, that's a good question because is the, it because she jumped? She was like, "Dad!" Like she like moved. Yeah, and is it just because pistols were? Like, not finely calibrated? Yeah, right. At the time, they just were not. I mean, goodness, that could have hit Jocasta. Yeah. So, the way that it was edited seemed to me that the father shot at the red coat. The other red coat was going to shoot the father, but the daughter stepped in front and... Okay. Or was it the... Was it the... Maybe, maybe. Oh no, no. You know what it was. I'm sorry. Shot, the father shot the red coat that was standing next to him. The uh, the driver was going to shoot the other red coat, or something, something along the line that the along driver those lines. shot the back the the backwards red coat. Yeah. And at that moment, Hector then aimed to shoot at the other red coat, and Morna jumped in front, and he accidentally shot her. So the way that it, it and then it he was... stabbed him. Like, think about that. Rather than saying, "Oh my gosh, I just shot my daughter," he still was ready to kill. Yep. Yep. Either way, I, it was edited. 
in a funky way. And as a matter of fact, the, the shooting for this and the editing for it was very choppy. Like it was like for that movement to happen, there must have been six or seven different shots all in like a quick sequence. Yeah. I think we were supposed to feel that disjointed. Like for this mistake to have happened, you were supposed to feel uneasy. You were supposed to feel like, what's happening? Where are we going? I think that was all on purpose. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't, I don't know what happened. So I can't say that Hector shot her or the other guy. Shot, I don't know. Cause again, it was edited in a funny way, but I will say maybe it was Hector who shot her. I could, I can't get a firm, I can't get a firm, uh, firm handle on it. Um, but I, before we end the show, I do want to, Go back to the barn real quick. The barn scene. The barn scene, I think, could have been great. And it should have been great. But because I, I think we we didn't spend enough time with Claire and Jamie, and because the emotional math didn't seem to add up, it just seemed to me like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to do it. And we have to get here. So two plus two equals four. So let's go do that. And again, I think this goes back to moments versus scenes. And that has been the issue with the season so far. I feel like there have been a lot of moments that the show wants to get to, whether it's Beardsley or it is surgery or it is um, this thing with um, the barn sex or whatever. There have been a lot of great moments. One that you look at, unto themselves and you're like oh that's pretty good but the story in between the moments hasn't earned it yet it's like when you're in the middle of a scene like think of um think of like um the dark knight Mm -hmm. okay it's one of the greatest films ever made and the interrogation scene with the joker when the bat when batman is behind the Joker and he slams his head on the table and he, and he says, no matter what, and Joker says to him, no matter what you do to me, nothing, you can beat me up all you want, nothing is going to change what's about to happen. And it's magical because when you're in that scene, it's not a moment, it's the characters in it. Like it's the people in the, in the things that are happening in that scene that drive it. It makes you think literally Anything can happen between the Joker and the Batman at that moment. Anything. Could be anything. He could kill the Joker. He could do... Remember he says, I'm going to make you break your one rule? And you think, oh my God, he could do it. Mm -hmm. I could see it right now. And when you're enveloped into that scene, when you think anything can happen, you're not just watching a television show. You're not just watching a movie. You're there with them. And the issue that I had with the barn is that it was a moment. It was, look at this. It's the barn. Yay. But it just felt like, okay, they're going to have sex. And we got here because we got here. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. do you agree or do you, do you disagree? I mean, I, didn't, I just don't like how it was handled in the show. I, it felt very like, here it is. It's awkward. We're doing it for doing its sake. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think like Diana said the right the writing I'm trying was trying to be optimistic, Blake. The, the Diana said the, the 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 lighting was bad, the set was bad, the direction was bad. I don't think it was bad. Like I don't think that stuff was bad. I don't think like like I mean it's it, it's in a bond. Like <laughs> and they're going to have sex and like the the direction was fine. It's just they didn't earn it. 
They did, regardless of whatever we know from Jamie and Claire in seasons past, they just didn't earn it in in this in this particular scene. And I think that's the reason why it was not as good as we all wanted it to be, at least for the book readers. Uh, get anything else for this episode, my darling? No, I'd like to hear your outlandish theory, though. All right, let's do it. Okay, so now that Roger has finally earned some respect in the um, eyes of the community and uh, within the members of Fraser's Ridge, I think everybody's going to vouch for him when Jamie comes back. And Jamie's going to be like, what's going on? You know, what's up? What's happened? Okay. It actually kind of reminds me of um, How to Train Your Dragon. After a hiccup wins the... um, or after Hiccup try, figures out how to talk to dragons and Stoic comes back from a big battle and he's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh my God, Hiccup is amazing. He is great. Hiccup went from being the worst character uh, in the eyes of the other characters on the planet to being, holy smokes, this guy actually gets it. And I feel like Roger's going to get the same kind of treatment. Jamie's going to come back and it's going to be like, Wow, Roger figured this thing out. He's pretty good, dude. Like, I just pretty much sent him on timeout, and <laughs> <laughs> and he and he did something, um, and so everyone's gonna vouch for him. And Jamie, because everybody vouches for Roger, he has to kind of accept that. And even though he wasn't there when it happened, he has to accept that all the res all the residents believe in Roger. Having said that, Jamie is going to have to take him to battle because of this. And Roger is going to want to go to further prove that he's actually a captain, a, men, a leader of men, and that he's going to want to go to battle and help Jamie put down the regulators now because Lord Governor Tryon is, is, is making Jamie get all the people back up again and going out to battle. The problem will be that uh, Roger still is not a person who should be fighting in that capacity, and he's going to get hurt. And he's going to get hurt badly in battle doing something valiant, trying to save somebody or do something or help someone. And he's going to get hurt. And perhaps Jamie saves him. Uh, Perhaps uh, Jamie finally recognizes that Roger has value. And that means a lot because that means Jamie will have to help Roger battle um, Stephen Bonnet. Because Stephen Bonnet will be coming into the picture and having this kind of conflict with Bree and the McKenzies and the Frasers. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And the other thing, too. This is the longest outlandish theory. I know. And the other thing, too, is that is that Murta, now that he's been turned down by, by Jocasta, he's really got reason now to fight. Because he's got nothing to lose. I mean, yeah. He's got nothing to lose. Yeah. So he's going to push harder than he probably should. And... Because he was turned down, turned down by Jocasta, and because really there's no place for Murta anymore, he's going to die. He's going to die in the Battle of Alamance. It's going to happen. Or he's going to get caught and hung. One way or the other, he's going to die. And uh, so that's that. That's my outlandish theory of the week. Marvin, what do you think? Interesting. Mock me. Please hang up and try again. All right. That's it. Anything else? Any final thoughts? No, that's it. I, I agree. I got no final thoughts. We're just ready to get to the listener feedback episode and hear everything that you guys had to say. So remember, if you want to get to uh, 
get in touch with us and tell us your thoughts about this episode. Mary, where can people find that? You can go to outlandercast.com. There is a share use your voice feature where you can share your voicemail through SpeakPipe. You can also email us at outlandercast at gmail.com. We also collect feedback at outlandercastclan.com from our amazingly generous patrons who keep this going. You guys don't understand how much it means to us. It always means to us, uh, our generous patrons at outlandercastclan.com, but especially now. Um, so just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then right. also from Instagram and Facebook. All right. So you ready to uh, close this bad boy out? Yes, I am. All right, let's do it. One of the things that would be awesome is if you take out your podcast app. If you haven't already written us a review in your podcast app of choice, love for you to do that you can also you know rate it like one to five stars but leaving a written review a sentence or two makes a huge difference for other people being able to find this podcast of course a lot of people are finding outlander because it's on netflix right now maybe you found outlander because of netflix true so if you found outlander cast and it's brought any joy to your life we would really appreciate rating if you've already written a review if you could go away in a kind of um heart or like other people's ratings we want to thank right now tn tracy who says i love these guys i always look forward to extending each episode by listening to their thoughts. I love that she's read the books and he hasn't. It mirrors our Monday conversations at work and all the Outlander fans. I'm married to my coworkers, Blake. Thank you so much, Tracy. Well, thank you so much. And uh, if you want to... Uh, obviously go ahead and do those do those written reviews we would really appreciate it another thing that you can do too is go to outlandercastclan.com where you can become an official member of the outlandercast clan and you get all these great perks like free swag and uh, extra episodes of outlandercast uh, and extra after doc episodes which actually we will be doing after the conclusion of this episode for everybody that is live on facebook right now and watching on youtube Go to OutlanderCastClan.com, become a Klansman-level uh, supporter, and you'll be able to get access to not only tonight's episode of the After Doc, After Doc Show, which is one of my favorite things to do uh, on this planet, the After Doc Show, but you'll also get access to the entire backlog of all the After Doc Shows and see all the... The, all the crazy things that we've done, the the, the evolution of our studio uh, and everything that is going on in between. We want to thank our most generous patrons at OutlanderCastClan.com, including our associate producers, Angie, Candy, Carolyn, Celine, Don, Diane, Jeffrey, Jennifer, Marilyn, Maureen, Sh- Patricia, Siobhan, Stephanie, Valerie, as well as our co-producers, Amanda, Ann Lee, Barbara, Dana, Janet, Keelan, Lori Ellen, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Sharon, Tina, and Whitney. And last but not least, our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Dee, Jen, Katie, Kirsty, Martha, Nadra, Peg, and Sarah. Thank you guys all so very much from the bottom of our hearts. And if you have not yet joined Outlander Cast Clan, as Blake said, you can even for as little as $2 a month. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee, which you probably can't even go out and get right now. So. Get but you can get plenty of Mary and Blake. And know that this keeps our production going, especially in times like this so we truly truly appreciate your support yes absolutely and uh, listen everybody world's crazy right now we didn't really talk about it all that much just because we want to have a good distraction here with Outlander and, and having our community and having fun with it but please everybody stay home stay home wash your hands just be cool wash your clothes 
<laughs> That's Blake's big thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because I'm out, you know, every day working and still, and uh, it's just one of those things that you just got to just listen, just take care of each other, be cool, stay home, enjoy your family, enjoy some Outlander, watch new shows, find excuses to watch a new show that you don't, that would get you out of your comfort zone. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Find an excuse to get out of your comfort zone with television. Find something new. Find something different. That's what I'm going to say. I love it. Well, for now, my name is Mary. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. Wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs>